This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always, with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. All right, today we've got a bit of an annual thing we've got going now, with this being the second year of the podcast. We've got our preseason predictions for the entire NFL, so we can laugh at them here in a few months. But first, Nate, we just want to touch on a few of the highlights of uh, what the Bills kept on their 53. Yeah, so there there were uh, quite a few surprises, I think, uh, to most people that were out there kind of trying to guess the Bills 53-man roster. Um Quarterback, not really any big surprises. So as we move on to running back, the Bills caught LeSean McCoy. And now that is partially a cost-saving move and partially an endorsement of Devin Singletary. Yeah, I think those are the two biggest takeaways from that, Nate. When we first did our projection of the 53 before training camp, I had LeSean McCoy getting cut. But the Bills kind of did a pretty good job of masking what they wanted to do because they convinced me that LaShawn McCoy was their guy still through the preseason. And then ultimately cutting him on the last day, I, I did find that a bit surprising that they waited that long to do it. But you're right, it is an endorsement of Devin Singletary. I don't think it's really that much of an indictment of the talent of LaShawn McCoy. It's just he was no longer value at paying him $9 million. Yeah, if he was on a, a deal similar to what the Chiefs signed him for, then he almost certainly would have stayed on the Bills roster. But to pay him $9 million when they could save, they saved, I think, just over $6 million of that cutting him. And they get to play their third-round rookie who's shown that he has a lot of talent. I mean, it doesn't, make, it doesn't uh, take a ton to see why the Bills made that move. Yeah, and we won't get into it any further than that uh, the offensive line they kept 10 guys which was a bit surprising considering they traded away Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine we didn't think Bodine was making the 53 but I did think Wyatt Teller was going to so it is surprising that they still kept 10 but I think that's just a sign that they're concerned about you know having depth there given the injury history uh, throughout the preseason they've had all along the interior line yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the, the Bills are extremely healthy right now, but throughout the preseason and in the offseason, they, they had a lot of injuries in the, along the offensive line. They should be able to start the five guys they want to start week one, but the, the keeping 10 is really, as you said, kind of an insurance policy. Yeah, and they like their other position groups, so I don't think they really feel like they need the depth elsewhere of just having guys that are inactive on game day. I think there are 10 NFL quality linemen on this roster. And as Brandon Bean highlighted yesterday in his press conference, they don't really pay attention as much to, oh, are we keeping this many uh, offensive linemen or cornerbacks or safeties? It's more of, all right, you got to have minimums. And then, all right, who earned their spot on the roster? And that's basically what they did is they found the best 53 guys while keeping the minimum amount of guys they wanted at each position. Yeah, and so moving on to wide receiver, they kept six, which we, we figured they were going to keep. It was either going to be six or seven. Duke Williams not being kept was really the only surprise for me, but he, they did manage to get him on their practice squad. I, I imagine that Ray Ray McLeod, they were going to put him on their practice squad, but he was claimed by the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I do think they wanted to bring him back. It was just unfortunate for Ray Ray because he got lost in the shuffle. He was the eighth guy there, and it speaks to the depth 
of the Bills wide receivers. I mean, they don't have a ton of top-tier talent, but they have six guys that are good NFL wide receivers on their roster. Yeah, and another reason that they didn't keep six or seven wide receivers is at least initially is looking at the tight end. They kept five tight ends. Now, one of those was Jason Kroom, and the only reason they kept him was so they could put him on the IR but designate him to return. Because if they had put him on IR before the 53-man was set, he would not have been able to come back at, uh, at all throughout the season. Yeah, so that led to them initially cutting Kurt Coleman, but with a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, we're bringing you back, and that's exactly what they did. Nate, anything else you want to add on the 53-man roster, or do you want to roll right into our predictions here? So I want to touch on one thing on the, the defensive side of the ball. Um, the one surprise for me was that Julian Stanford, Corey Thompson, and Maurice Alexander all got kept, but a lot of that has to do with Voshan Joseph being placed on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. He's a guy who I really thought could potentially have made some contributions in a reserve role this year, but the Bills are going to roll with the veteran depth that can that is going to be as more solid on special teams. Yeah, I do think Voshan Joseph would have been inactive just about every game because I don't think he was quite ready to play, much like Sarant Neal was his rookie year, but now we're seeing in the second year he looks like he's ready to roll and he can contribute. I think that's going to be comparable with Voshan Joseph over the next couple of years. Yeah, and then the, the last thing I want to add is we still don't necessarily know who if Corey Bajorquez will be the punter week one. It's looking more likely the longer we roll on this week, but I, I Sean McDermott even said that Bajorquez is still competing for his job. So that would not surprise me if there's a change there at some point in the next couple of days here. Yeah, the the press conference from Brandon Bean put no confidence into Corey Bajorquez, and I would be shocked if he's still the punter going out there week one. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign someone Friday or Saturday. Well, they do have to have the roster locked at 4 p.m. Saturday, I believe, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're signing someone right before then. Yeah, that, that's that's the one position that's still you know completely open to change. And I, I think now uh, we're all set with a 53-man roster here. Alex, do you have anything else to add, or you want to move on to our, our preseason predictions? Let's roll right into the predictions and prepare for the laughter a few months from now. Yeah, so this year, Alex and I both went through, just like last year, we predicted all 16 of the Bills games. We predicted division winners, playoff teams, Super Bowl champ, and then some of the award stuff. And then we also uh, did a couple of bold predictions. We each did three bold predictions for the year. Yeah, so let's roll right into the bold predictions. Uh, my first one, the Colts are going to win the AFC South still, and I think they're going to be 9-7, and seven, along with probably the other three teams in the division being within a game or two of that. I just think they have a really good roster. Jacoby Brissett is a starting quarterback in the NFL, maybe towards the lower tier of them, but I think that's all they really need because that offensive line is really good. They have good skill position guys, and that defense is still a lot better than people think it is. Yeah, and I, I would agree the Colts are going to be somewhere around 9-7. and seven. I think that entire division is going to be somewhere around 9-7. and seven. Um, I don't have the Colts making the playoffs, but I, I do think they're going to finish 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, somewhere in there, and then just kind of just miss the cut for the playoffs. But the, winning the division is certainly, certainly a plausible thing, and it's a, lot of, a thing that a lot of people don't think is possible because they just underestimate Jacoby Brissett. He has been a starter in this league for multiple full seasons, and he is – He's not a, a superstar by any means, but he's clearly capable of, of running an offense. 
Yeah, exactly, and that's my thoughts behind that. Nate, give the people your first bold prediction. So my first bold prediction is that Josh Gordon will have 1,000 yards receiving this year. I think he's going to be Tom Brady's top target, and he's going to really carry that Patriots offense. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly plausible. If he plays all 16, I think that's kind of close to a lock. So we'll roll right into my second one. It's no team in the NFL will win more than 12 games this season. I... I could certainly see that happening. I think if if a team is going to win 12 games, it's going to be the probably the Chiefs or the Saints that are have the, the best chance in my mind of winning 12 games. But there's not a team out there this year. The, the Chiefs would be if they weren't in the same division as the Chargers. But it's just they, they, they have to play those two tough games this season. And I, I can't see really if, – if a team wins more than 12 games, I think it will be one team. Yeah, so that was kind of my thought process, is the teams that are talented enough to win more than 12 games, they all play in tough divisions, like the AFC West, the NFC North, the NFC South. Well, maybe the Rams, but I think they do have, they have to play other top division winners in the NFC, so I think that kind of keeps them from getting over the 12-win threshold, too. So it's more of not that there's not a team good enough to win more than 12, it's that there's a lot of parity at the top, and there's a few divisions with some really good teams. And those happen to be the top-tier teams in the NFL. So that's my thought process behind that. Yes. So my second bold prediction is that Josh Rosen will be starting in Miami by week six. And, and my thought behind, the, behind that is this. The Dolphins are essentially tanking. They say they're not, but, I mean, they're, they're pretty much tanking. And they're going to have a, if not the number one overall pick, a, a top three pick. The next two draft classes are pretty strong at the quarterback position. Um, and... They traded for Josh Rosen, and they need to know what they have with Josh Rosen by the end of this year, or at least have a pretty good idea, because if you don't use him at all and then you just go draft a rookie, you're never going to find out what he has, and I, I can't see the Dolphins not wanting to give him at least half the season or more this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I believe they do have the Week 5 bye, and I think they're going to start 0-4, so what better point to make that transition, Nate, than right coming out of the bye 0-4 and say, all right, let's see what we've got. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of my thought process behind that. I, I really would be surprised if Josh Rosen isn't starting at that point, in all honesty, um, unless Fitzpatrick does his magic and somehow starts 4-0, which, who knows, he did it last year, so it's quite possible. Yeah, you never know with Ryan Fitzpatrick what you're going to get, as we know as Bills fans. So my third and final bold prediction is Bills-related. It's the Bills at the Pats in Week 16 will decide the AFC East. And here's my thought process. I think the Bills are going to be 9-5 and five coming into that game. The Pats, 10-4. and four. So the Pats are pretty much playing this game to lock up the division. And I obviously think the Pats are going to beat the Bills on the road. But that was my thought process behind that. And I think that's an endorsement of the talent on the Bills roster. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, but that's my bold prediction. That's certainly possible. I, I mean, I think the Bills are going to be in a similar position where they're going to be I have the Bills at eight and what do I have them at? Eight and six going into that Patriots game, which that's still probably wouldn't decide the division if they were at eight and six. But it's I think that they're gonna the game's gonna matter. That's I completely agree. The game's gonna matter. It might not decide the AFC East, but it's certainly gonna matter for both teams. Which usually with in the past, the recent history, recent past of the Bills, that has not happened. 
Alright, Nate, give the people your final bold prediction, and then we'll just start rattling off our division winners. My my final bold prediction is that Von Miller and Bradley Chubb will break the all-time sack record by a duo in NFL history, which is 39 sacks. It was done in 1989 by a couple of, of Vikings. Uh, I think Henry Thomas and Keith Millard in 1989 had 39 sacks. I think Von Miller and Bradley Chubb will get 40 or more sacks this season. Wow, that, that is pretty bold. I mean, I could definitely see it happening. They're two premier pass rushers in the NFL, so we'll see if they're able to pull that off. Nate, let's roll right into the division winners. We'll try to do this much more efficiently than we did last year. I've got the Pats winning the AFC East, the Browns winning the North, the Colts winning the South, and the Chiefs winning the West. And I have the Patriots winning the East, the Steelers winning the North, the Texans winning the South, and the Chiefs winning the West. Yeah, so I think my thought process is I don't think the Steelers are going to be as good as they have been. I think they missed the playoffs again. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish with a losing record. I, I just I don't think Ben Roethlisberger has been that good the last couple of years, and I think he was covered up. That, that you know dip in his talent was covered up by Antonio Brown, which isn't there anymore. And I'm buying the Browns hype. It's not that I think they're going to be some ridiculously good team. I just think they're going to win that division at about 10-6 and six, with the Ravens and the Steelers decently close behind. Yeah, and I think that the Steelers, I, th- I think Juju's the real deal, and that's really where I think the, the, the Steelers are going to, to win the division this year. I think the Browns are still one year away from being the team in that division, and I think without the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon distractions, and with Juju being the guy, is going to have a, a one more really good year and carry that division. And then the AFC South, I think the Texans, while they made some really dumb moves in, for the long term, I mean, with the, the, the Clowney trade, and the Clowney trade wasn't as dumb, but it was still a weird move. Um, the Tunsil trade, that that kind of screwed them long term, but they're better now. They're better for this year than they were a few weeks ago. And I think that that's going to kind of get them over the hump for this season. But long term, I wouldn't put my faith in them whatsoever. Yeah, I think they're going to be a wild card team, but like I said, I think that AFC South is going to be pretty tight, and it, it wouldn't shock me if they win the division, and it wouldn't shock me if any of the other three teams win that division. And obviously we both have the Pats and the Chiefs, so no reason to get into that there. We'll roll into the NFC. I've got the Eagles, the Bears, the Falcons, and the Rams. I have the uh, the Eagles, the Packers, the Saints, and the Rams. Um, I, th- I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a, a huge year this year and carry the Packers probably maybe not to the the Super Bowl but to the NFC Championship and I think he's they're going to win that division here. Um, I think the Saints are going to be the best team in the NFC. The, the talent there is just absolutely overwhelming. And then the Rams the, the, the Seahawks could compete with them a little bit but the Rams I think are going to come on top of that division. Yeah, I'm buying the Bears hype in the NFC North. The defense lost a couple of players, but I think they're still going to be a top-five defense. And I think that offense is low-key very good. I mean, they were decent last year. All Trubisky has to do is be average to above average, and this team is probably going to be the top seed in the NFC. Um, I know that division's going to be tight with the Packers and the Vikings. I don't think the Lions are very good, but you have three very good teams in that division. And I see the Bears winning it at 12-4. and four. And the Packers maybe being close behind at 11 and 5, 10 and 6. And then, Nate, I think you were a year early on your Falcons prediction for the NFC South. 
and going to the Super Bowl last year. They battled a ton of injuries on defense. They're healthy this year. I, I'm, I, I think the Falcons are going to have a really good year, and the NFC South is also a tough division. Yeah, that, that's a very tough division. And, and I, when I made that prediction last year, like we had talked about, it was before all the injuries and stuff happened. But I, I, I was leaning towards going that direction again. And I, I feel like now that I picked them to not make the playoffs at all, they're probably going to, to do that this year just because I'm not picking them. Probably. So we'll just touch on our wild cards. Nate, we both have the Bills in the wild card. I have them at five. You have them at six. And I have the Texans as my sixth seed. You've got the Browns as your five seed. Any notable teams that you see missing from here, minus the Chargers? Yeah, I, I think the Chargers are, are going to miss the playoffs as well. I think it's going to be one of those where the wild card teams are all going to be like nine and seven, and some weird tiebreaker stuff happens where there's like four nine and seven teams, and the Bills kind of sneak in like they did two years ago. Um, I, there's going to be a lot of parity, especially in the, the AFC middle of the pack of the AFC this year. Yeah, and the AFC West is better than people think it is outside of the Chiefs and the Chargers. I, th- I think the Raiders might have beat the Chargers last year. It came close. I think I don't think the Ra- Raiders are going to win a ton of games, but I do think they're going to play their division rivals tough. And Denver's not an easy team either, and I just see the Chargers maybe being that seventh seed and being the odd team out, even though they're extremely talented. Yeah, and that does, I mean, they played us in such a tough division, and you have to win your division games to do that. And when you have the Chiefs in your division, they can't afford mistakes against other two teams. And unless the Chargers really have to, to sweep the Broncos and the Raiders to, to put themselves in a good position for the playoffs. All right, we'll sweep down to the NFC now. Nate, I've got the Saints at five and the Packers at six. You've got the Cowboys at five and the Bears at six. Yeah, I think the Cowboys um, have a legitimate shot to make a deep run this year, whether or not they win the whether they win the division or not. I think it's going to be close, and I think they're going to have a significantly better record than the the Bears is at the six seed. Like I think the Cowboys could win eleven games and lose the division. I think it's certainly possible. Um, and then the Bears, I, I agree the Bears with you, Alex, that the Bears are going to have kind of a breakout year, but I don't think they're going to have the breakout year to the point where they are the number one seed in the NFC but they're still going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I've got the Bears at the one seed just because, like I said, I don't think any team's going to win more than 12 games. I could see all six teams in the NFC having between 11 and 12 wins. Which would be... I wonder if that's ever happened before. I know... Let's see. I think the Jets missed the playoffs at 10-6 and six a couple of years ago when Fitz came in as their quarterback and the Bills beat them in Week 16. So I'd assume that, you know, a, a team that was ten and six or multiple teams that were ten and six have missed the playoffs before, but I don't know if it's ever been the case that teams, you know, were all between eleven and twelve wins. Which, I I, it's I think it's probably extremely unlikely at the very at the very uh, least. So I I'll be curious to see if that actually does happen, and I, we will. I am going to look into after the pot if that's ever happened before because I am very curious. Yeah, so with that, we'll roll into our Super Bowl predictions. We both have the Chiefs winning. I've got Aaron Rodgers working his magic as the sixth seed, getting all the way to the Super Bowl, and then falling short. And for the Super Bowl for me, I have the Chiefs winning, as Alex said, and then against the Saints. And I I think that Drew Brees is going to carry the Saints to the Super Bowl, but Mahomes is going to finally get his this year. 
Yeah, I think the Chiefs are they finally addressed their defense a bit. I still think it's going to be a bit porous where teams are able to put up points on them. But I think when it comes down to it, they have enough talent on this defense now that they can get a stop when they need it, which is something they didn't have last year, and that was probably the difference. Yeah, I, I agree. That they just they Mahomes could score a ton of points. There was no there was no doubt about that. It was just could the defense stop anyone? And hope that I I think is going to be the case this year. And they're going it's, Mahomes still going to outscore teams. That's how they're going to win most of the time. But the defense is going to be better than it was last year. Yeah, so that kind of segues perfectly into our awards predictions. I've got Mahomes winning MVP. I don't think he's going to run away with it like he did last year. I'm not predicting another 50 touchdown season. I could see 40. That's probably a reasonable regression, not in terms of talent. Just statistically, he's bound to fall back down from 50 touchdowns. I think there will be a few quarterbacks that are right there near him, and it'll be a conversation. Nate, who do you have winning MVP? So I have Drew Brees winning MVP. I think he's going to lead the league in passing yards, lead the league in passing touchdowns, and win the MVP, make Super Bowl, and kind of walk off into the sunset a little bit. And I, I do think this will be his last year playing football. I do think that's interesting. I, I think it will be his last year playing football probably if it's a good one for the Saints. But I do think he might not be able to lead the league in yardage and touchdowns just because I don't know if the volume of attempts is going to be there because they run the ball so well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I kind of wanted to go against the green a little bit. I was thinking about Rodgers, um, but I, I, Mahomes has a good chance of winning again. Yeah, he honestly does, but it's pretty rare that a guy goes back to back. And so I, I figured, okay, I'm going to make, it's kind of a bold prediction too. I could have put in my bold predictions, but Drew Brees for MVP. Yeah. And uh, we had some entertainment with us at the bachelor party over the weekend where I said Mitch Trubisky is good value to win the MVP just because his odds are extremely low, I think. And I think the Bears are going to be a really good team. If the Bears end up as the one seed in the NFC and they win a playoff game or two, I could certainly see you know, Trubisky winning the MVP, not because he is the most valuable player, but just because he's the quarterback of one of the best teams in the league. That's I can almost guarantee that. The MVP will be the quarterback of one of the best three, four, five teams in the NFL by record. That's just kind of how it always works. Yeah, so we'll move along to Offensive Rookie of the Year. I've got Josh Jacobs. You've got Miles Sanders. There's a lot of running backs that can compete for this this year. Yeah, I, I was between quite a few different running backs, Josh Jacobs uh, you know, being one of them. Devin Singletary even crossed my mind as more of a long shot type guy, but I think Miles Sanders is going to have a big year, and the Eagles are going to be pretty good again. Yeah, I think you're right there. And then defensive rookie of the year, we both have Devin Bush. I think he's just the most likely to put up a ton of tackles and stats defensively, which will probably win him the award. Yeah, I mean, he plays middle linebacker for the Steelers. It's kind of a, a position, He's and he fits it perfectly, and he's just I think he's going to have a big year, and he's going to be a big part of why they win the division. Yeah, so comeback player of the year, there are a lot of candidates when I look through you know, the top 10 guys in terms of odds of winning this. There's a lot of running backs, a lot of quarterbacks. I'm going Devonta Freeman. I think the Falcons are back this year. I think they win the division, and I think he stays healthy for all 16 games and puts up huge numbers. And I'm going with Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is going to lead the Eagles to the two seed in the NFC. He's going to have a, a pretty big year, lead a great offense, and win the comeback player of the year. Like you said, there's a lot of options. Le'Veon Bell is another guy I, I really considered for it this year, but I, I think it's going to be Carson Wentz. 
Yeah, then Offensive Player of the Year. It's typically never the same as the MVP. It was last year with Patrick Mahomes just because he was far and away the best statistically. I'm going Saquon Barkley because he's going to carry that offense to five or six wins with really good numbers, and that team's just wasting his talent there. <laughs> and I think DeAndre Hopkins. I think Hopkins is the best best receiver in the NFL, and I think that he's going to have a huge year and be the main reason that the Texans win that division. Yeah, so Defensive Player of the Year, the easy pick's Aaron Donald. I probably should have picked that last year. I probably should have picked that this year. But I'm going with my pick from last year. I think I might have been a year early. I'm going Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's certainly a, a great pick for that. He, I picked him last year, I think, as well, but I'm going Aaron Donald. Um, Aaron Donald's the best player in the NFL, and I really don't think it's even close. So I think he's going to win the deep, the Defensive Player of the Year. for That would be the third time, I think. Yeah, he's won it several times. Honestly, he should be in the discussion for MVP because the, the things he allows that defense to do, and he's just a one-man wrecking crew against double and triple teams. It's really just a joy to watch a defensive tackle, which is something you know that we might not ever see again for a long time. We're not going to see a defensive tackle be far and away the best player in the NFL again for a very long time, and that's what Aaron Donald is right now. There is no one close to him in terms of – there are quarterbacks that are more important to him than him to their team, but he is by far the best player in the NFL. Yeah, so Nate, anything else you want to add for our preseason prediction pod, or should we wrap it up right here? I think we can I think we can wrap it up right here. I, uh, I'm excited to see how the season plays out. We both have the Bills with a winning record, and the, the big thing for the Bills, and that we're going to be looking for going forward, is can they start strong against a very easy schedule? They, they play a very easy schedule almost to Thanksgiving. If, and there's... Out of those 11 games, I mean, the Bills really could be sitting pretty at 7-4, and 8-3 and three going to the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. So I'm excited to see how they do. Uh, weeks 1-3, to three, I mean, weeks 1-3 to three need to be three wins. Yeah, and at the very least, it has to be 2-1, and one, and then they have to pick up a win elsewhere that we don't think they will. But we both got 8-10 to 10 wins as their range, and I think that's fair. But I guess in about four months we'll find out if we were right or if we were just being homers. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back with a pre-week one pod, a, a week one intro, to talk about the Jets game, um, and talk about a few of the things that we'll be looking for, and we'll be able to talk to uh, our, our the Jets, our Jets podcast with Big Heads Media is going to be uh, do a little preseason action with us or pre-game action with us. Yeah, we're excited to have uh, the host of that podcast come on and give a bit of insight on the Jets for you guys. And that'll probably come, let's say, Thursday or Friday this week. You'll be able to hear that. So that'll bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Pallinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast, please. It helps other people find the show. Do us a favor and share the pod with one friend this week so we can continue growing as we uh, get into the season here. Follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore Breakdown. Send any questions, comments, feedback to Bills Breakdown Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.